Hey everyone, and welcome to SermonCast, where we share just the message portion of our past week's service. We hope this gives you the opportunity to better digest the teaching, whether you're listening to it again or for the first time. And now, this week's message. It's been a few years ago, but we were in line, like a Disneyland line, to go and visit a Indian temple. And uh, we were sitting there going back and forth. We bought our tickets and we're going through. And, you know, I kind of expected maybe we were going to go through. And the team wanted to go. And it's like, okay, whatever. And uh, they had paraded around a calf, a real calf, and painted it up. And they were walking through. And um, the kind of the crowd and the people and people were throwing flowers and things. And then, then they went to the temple. And so then you could tell the people kind of amassed at the temple. And we were... The tourists, if you will, were massed in this Disneyland kind of line with some barriers. And I got it kind of halfway up there and I realized we're all going to go through this one door. And I was not feeling it. I said, uh, you know what? I'm out. If you guys want to go, fine. If you want to follow me, fine. And just one person said, yeah, I'm going with you. And so um, I asked this guy, to, there was kind of a gate thing. And I said, I, I need to go. No, no, no. You, you must go. No, no, I must go. Not there. There. And we kind of had a little disagreement, but ended up he let me out. So um, another guy went with me, and the rest of the team went to the, through the temple. Well, they get through. We get back in the vans. We're going to go to eat somewhere. And it was unusually weirdly quiet. I was like, what the heck? And we get to the restaurant, and we were kind of off by ourselves. And then just a flood of emotion came out of our team, telling us what had happened. They had basically, in the... In the uh, Hindu culture, not only is the amount of money that you give help you get deeper into the corridors, there's different corridors apparently, they were telling me about this later, and the more money you have, the more further you can go in, but also the more intensity that you show in, in this worship as well matters. Matters to the gods. It matters to the whoever, and so they—that's the reason they're so enthusiastic and trying to push and shove, trying to show that they are into this, right? And so our team was in this mosh pit, if you will, and they had there was one door that was an exit, and they had to literally fight their way through to get out that exit. And so there was a lot of emotion about the whole experience, and it was not good. Some people were kind of banged up, a little bit hurt, even, and it's like, man, this is crazy. Well, the intensity of worship is interesting, and I think we should have that intensity, but to try to appease a God to do show intensity, you know, I think we should, when we lift up our worship to God, I think it does matter, the kind of attitude we have. It does matter. We give, the, our, we give cheerfully to the Lord. I think those things matter. I thought it was interesting thinking about this globalist um, world economic forum. There's a guy named Even Harari, and he was, he's a globalist, he's part of the world, WEF, the World Economic Forum, and he was warning the WEF of some technology that he was concerned about. And his concern was, he said, they, you can have these bracelets, it's called a biomet, biometric bracelet that could be used, and he said, if this falls into the wrong hands, and this is his, his, his illustration, not mine, um, if North Korea, for example, if this fell into their hands, they can actually, the, the, the dictator, whoever's the leader, could give a speech and by this biometric bracelet be able to determine your 
Are you happy about this speech? Are you angry about this speech? Are you angry at the leader? Or are you submissive to that leader? They'll be able to tell the emotion because of this bracelet. That's a, it's artificial intelligence. It's some of that AI stuff that you hear about. Here's an application that this guy was concerned about. And I just thought, but this is interesting because people are, at least in, the, in one sense, the leaders are interested in the hearts and the intensity, almost like showing. I got to show you that I'm giving a lot of money. I got to show you that I'm struggling hard to give this money. Almost showing the gods in the sense, showing this one world leader that I truly am with you. It's not, I'm not just standing in the square and in my heart, I'm angry because this biometric bracelet will tell you, tell the leaders, hey, this guy is not the real deal. He's actually angry inside, not happy. That kind of control is concerning. But I think that kind of control is just a foreshadowing. I've been telling you in this series that I believe that we are, we're, it's like we get a front row seat um, of a dress rehearsal. This isn't the real thing. It's a dress rehearsal. But we're going to see a lot of things happening. You can imagine not everything that's going to happen during the seven years tribulation is going to be developed there. It's got to be developed out here somewhere or be thought of. And we're going to see that development. Some of this kind of technology, AI. And I'm going to show you another one just recently, and that I just heard about recently. And it's like, wow, this is interesting. So it makes you realize that, A, yes, uh, things are crazy. But things are crazy and they, they're getting more, they're getting closer all the time. And I think it, it's important for us to keep our hearts and minds and spirits uh, on top of the things that are happening. So that's what I'm going to try to do to you. But I will say as close as I think that some of these things are, I also say that this has been going on for a long time. Remember Daniel, 500 years before the birth of Christ, they were in Babylon and he got this vision. And the vision was that there was, uh, there was this uh, image. The head of the image was Babylon. The shoulders was Medo-Persia. The, the torso was Greece. The legs were iron, was iron of, were, was Rome. Um, the, re, the feet were iron and clay, so a revived Roman Empire, and then this little stone that was broke the whole statue down, grew up to be this large mountain. And I think that's what we see, that it's either that millennial kingdom, but it's Christ's kingdom that it's ushered in. It may be the new heaven and new earth, that's possible. But um, what it's basically showing, that way back here, 500 years before Christ, God showed Daniel the whole of different leaders that tried to be this one world government. And that's what I want to talk about today, because there are things happening that I think we should at least be aware of. And that's what I'm going to give you kind of a snapshot. The Roman Empire controlled uh, its known world for centuries. The Chinese emperors claimed that they had a mandate of heaven, authority that they maintained order of the whole earth. Lenin, Stalin, and Mao all had visions of a communist state that dissolved, that dissolved national borders. Woodrow Wilson our president proposed a League of Nations after World War I. Uh, the institution failed, and actually we saw another global war not too long after that. After World War II in 1945, the United Nations was formed for the same purpose, and yet 193 nation assembly have not established a way of lasting world peace. So it's been tried. It's been tried for a long time, for really since uh, probably the beginning of time, and I'm going to show you one that, that proves that it happened a long time ago. Here's one that I want you to put in your mind, because I'm going to come back to it um, in when we get to the Revelation chapter 13 passage of the, uh, 
of the, of the false prophet. So keep this in mind. In May 2015, Pope Francis stated, it is essential to devise stronger and more efficiently organized international institutions with functions who are appoint, um, functionaries who are appointed fairly by agreement among na national governments and empowered to impose sanctions. There is an urgent need of a true world political authority, as my predecessor, the blessed John 23rd, indicated some years ago. So there are, there are people in, in high offices, even in the high, highest religious office in the Catholic Church, that say that we need to have some kind of one world order because we have... We have big problems. I didn't say this, but this is what one of the globalists says is global problems, quote, I'm quoting, global problems require a global response, and we have plenty of global problems. I'm not looking for a one world government to solve problems, but there are a lot of people who are. And I would tell you, that's what, I just want to bring this to the fore because this is the kind of thing the Bible says there's going to be a one-world government with a one-world leader. We'll talk about that in a second. The question is, how close are we to that time? And, and the so what? So what is, what difference should it make in my life? Last week, if you were here, I told you that I'm the, this, vision, this, this version of in times or eschatology is what is called the literal translation. In other words, if you just read the Bible without any other kind of context and just said, you know, I'm just reading the Bible as is, face value, this is what it says, this is the a timeline that, that falls out. Now, there's people, there's churches and good theology, theologian, theologians uh, that have different ideas about, especially about the millennium. Some people think we're in the tribulation. Um... The day of the Lord, they have a different view of, they have a different view of the timing of the rapture. All these things have been jingled around. But, but basically, this is the literal translation. So that's the version that I was taught, uh, John Walford at Dallas Seminary. That's uh, Mark Hitchcock is one of Walford's uh, disciples. In fact, he was, like I said, the A student of that. And so that's what I'm quoting out of his book, a uh, classmate of mine. But um, these are the kinds of things that we talked about and say the, the time. And, and I even showed you last week that you have to have, these two things have to happen before the tribulation time. In fact, Paul said in 2 Thessalonians, if you can go back to last week's sermon. And he said, listen, you guys are all worried about the day of the Lord here. The day of the Lord has not come. And they had reason to believe that because Nero was on a rampage killing Christians. And they were being told, hey, the day of the Lord's here. You missed it. And they were asking Paul, hey, I thought you said we wouldn't see the day of the Lord. And Paul came back with a second letter and he said, guys, listen, the, this isn't going to happen. The day of the Lord, the tribulation time, all this time, he said, is not going to happen until the man of lawlessness is revealed. The man of lawlessness is not going to be revealed until the rebellion. The rebellion is not going to happen. These two things are not going to happen until the restrainer is removed. There's an order of things. Very, if you take it literally, there's an order of things. Restrainer is removed, then rebellion, then man of lawlessness. Now, I'm going to talk about this rebellion because there's no question that we're seeing some of this rebellion or apostasy, which means falling away. We're seeing that some of that now, no question. I think there is a foreshadowing of that. But when the Holy Spirit of God is the restrainer, no question about, or I don't have any question about that. I, the disagreement is, is the church a part of that? And I fully believe that it is. I believe the Holy Spirit 
through the church is restraining evil. And that's what we're supposed to do. Whether we're inside of this church or outside in our jobs, in our jobs or businesses or whatever we're at, we're supposed to, we're supposed to point out evil. We're supposed to say, no, this is wrong. This is evil. This is, um, we need, the, so we are being used by the Holy Spirit to restrain evil even in our day. You like to think the church is a holy huddle. You can think that if you want, but we're supposed to abide until he returns. We're supposed to be involved in our world and it could be uncomfortable. And like I suggested last week, there could be suffering when we do those kinds of things. That's just a part of the, the warnings that God gave us when it says, but then the restrainer is removed. I believe that's the rapture of the church. The rapture happens before the tribulation because of the order of things. And then second coming of Christ is at the end of the tribulation. This is the sheep and goats judgment. This is a big judgment at the end. Then this millennial reign of Christ. Then the end of this is going to be the great white throne judgment where the final, final judgment where people that have never stood before Christ. And these are the people that none of these that get into this one make it. They're all going to be uh, cast into the lake of fire. This is not a judgment you want to be a part of. This is, you want to be a part of this one. That's the Bama Seat Judgment. Basically, God gives out the reward ceremony. You are a believer in Christ. Here's your rewards. Uh, this is the one you want to be a part of. And you do that by knowing that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That is this great salvation. So there's the overview. I'll try to give you some, fill in some blanks. But go, going back to this literal view, um, there's three, 300, according to Hitchcock, um, there are 333 prophecies um, in the Bible about Christ. 109 of those have been fulfilled in the New Testament. And so 109 of those have been fulfilled in Christ, his birth, uh, the way, where he grew up, uh, burial, death, resurrection, all that, the, all those 109 were fulfilled in Christ then. There's still 224 yet to be fulfilled, and that's the second coming of Christ. There's a lot of this, all of that happened in this period of time. If this one was fulfilled so perfectly, 109 of them, and they are dead on accurate, it's very specific. I don't think it's crazy. You can call me crazy if you want, but I don't think it's crazy to say, you know what, this was so accurate, I'm just going to believe this by faith and take it at face value, that that's accurate as well. So that's kind of my stance on this when it comes to understanding these things. 1,527 verses in the Old Testament refer to a second coming. Every time the Bible mentions the first coming, the second coming is mentioned eight times. So, so for every one time, his first incarnation, eight times. So it's a big deal. And it's still yet in front of us, and it could be very near. People are exhorted to be ready for the return of Christ over 53 times. And so we're supposed to know the signs of our times. We're supposed to know what's going on in our world. We're supposed to keep our hearts ready. We're supposed to abide until he returns. We're not supposed to give up, sell out, and go hide in a cave somewhere, right? We are supposed to be involved in our world until Christ returns. And so that's what my encouragement is. And we're to encourage one another with these words, with the words of, hey, listen, we're in the church, we're in Christ. In Christ is the main thing, but we're, the church is, in, you know, the, the, part, the part that's in Christ is going to be caught up together with him. Comfort one another with these words. Comfort one another with the fact that you're not going to go through this. I'm going to talk a lot about this today, but you're not going to go through this if you're part of this blessed hope that God talks about. So um, hang on, because I've got a long way to go and a short time to get there, if you know what that's all about. So what we need in this world is hope and peace. Um, I will tell you that we all desire this hope and peace. Ironically, I do believe 
that we won't have this hope and peace until we do have a one world leader, until we do have a one world government. So I do believe in those things, but that one world leader and that one world government is Jesus Christ sitting on his throne from Jerusalem and, and David's throne. And that's going to happen in the millennial kingdom when he comes back the second time, when we have a benevolent leader, that's the ultimate but listen, no man, get this, no man can handle that kind of power. Only the God man, Jesus Christ, can handle that and be a benevolent dictator. Man cannot handle it. He's proven it over and over and over. Hitler tried to rally the troops. He couldn't handle it. He's going to smash people and crush people and do all these other things. So uh, listen, I believe in this benevolent dictator named the King Jesus, King, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and when he returns. That's the ultimate. So Everything else is we, the best we can do is have a representative government that has some kind of accountability because it accounts for human nature. That's why we have checks and balances because you give all this power to one guy and he can't handle it. He's going to start picking winners and losers and be a dictator and we got a totalitarian regime on the way. So there's, that's why the second best form of government is this checks and balances that we have. It's not perfect, but it's the best we have because there's not going to be a righteous world leader until Jesus returns. First point I want to make that today is this nothing new under the sun. In other words, there has been, um, world's leaders try from the very beginning, Genesis chapter 11. You remember the story of Nimrod. Nimrod was this great, powerful leader. And he went to the area of Shinar to have this, um, to build this, uh, Tower of Babel, okay? So this is the first time we see someone come on the scenes. Yeah, if you don't have a Bible, make sure to grab one and follow along. The whole earth had one language and the same words, and the people migrated from the east, and they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they made bricks of stone and bitumen and mortar. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city, a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we thus be dispersed over all the face of the earth. Now, there's two major rebellion statements that happened in that passage. The first one is very easy to see. Let us make a name for ourselves. Pretty prideful, right? Not a main name for God. Make a name for ourselves. Lest we be scattered over this whole earth. They wanted to build this one city and make this one big um, tower of Babel to the heavens for themselves. See a little rebellion in that? They also made it out of bitumen. Bitumen was used for the uh, Moses' uh, you know, little cradle as they put it in the Nile River. It was, it was pitch. It was tar. It was, it was a um, petroleum product of some kind probably, right? And it caused it to float or not take on water. These bricks were with pitch or bitumen, uh, so they, they would not take on water. Some scholars believe that they actually bathed these bricks in pitch so that if God ever flooded the world again, they would be above the fray. They could build their tower to, to, to babble to God, and at least they could at least save mankind because it's made out of this waterproof uh, mortar, if you will, called bitumen which would be a tar or some kind of mortar and probably probably even bathe those bricks in that mortar in that uh, yeah in that bitumen. So this is twofold disobedience to God. God told Adam and he told Noah, fill the earth and subdue it. What did man do? He built a massive edifice to himself so he could 
be God. And God didn't want that. So he came down, he scrambled the languages. So we see this and said, the Lord said, behold, they have one people and they have one language. This is verse six. And this is the only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they purpose to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse the language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispensed, dispersed them from over the face of all the earth and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel because the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there, the Lord dispersed them over the face of the earth. That's what he told Adam to do at the start. And so he told Noah to do when he got off the, the boat. Fill the earth, subdue it. That's what God's plan was. And man wanted to build one big city to bring praise and honor to himself. So this is the first idea of a one world government. Nimrod, the strongest, toughest, biggest, powerful guy in the, of the clans, and he was, a, he was a leader. And you follow him. And you can imagine there's probably a lot of people doing a lot of manual labor, quote unquote, to make this thing happen because they feared Nimrod. So there's a first attempt at a world government. Didn't work. It wasn't God's plan. There's a second attempt, not many other attempts. I mean, I've already mentioned Rome. I mentioned, you know, uh, the, you know certainly Hitler and the Nazis. There's, there's been others, Mao and, and uh, Stalin, Lenin. There's been others that have had this idea. Even today, the leaders of the, the Great Reset, Klaus Schwab and all the company of these great these leaders that get together, they're the who's who of our, of our economy and others that are saying this is the, the answer, this is the only way really through this whole thing. We've got to have these things because of what if we get another pandemic and what if we have some people that aren't participating. We've got to have one person say one thing so everybody can get their mask or get their vaccine. It's, it's all bathed in this helping humanity. But the underlying piece of this is to control everything you do. And that's the hard part about it. Certainly appreciate the idea that people care, but I, we also have ideas and our own freedoms and thoughts and free speech. And you realize how important free speech is. All right. Um, but there's another time or the, the last uh, one world government that will happen that will fail is found in Revelation chapter 13. So I'm going to read most of this if I can get through it. So hang on. I saw a beast rising out of the sea. Now, anytime you hear the word sea in metaphor, especially in metaphorical language, that sea represents the abyss out of hell, whatever you want to call it, it's out of, out of the darkness. So out of the sea, is that, that is a metaphor that is often used. So that's the picture here. Ten horns, seven heads, ten diadems on the horns, blasphemous names on his heads, and the beast... And the beast that I saw was like a leopard, fast. His feet were like a bear, powerful. His mouth was like a lion, the loudest one that drowns out everything else. And to it, the dragon, Satan, and I'm sorry I'm having to just go through and just, I'm not going to be able to find other verses to support my thoughts. You're just going to have to work with me because I'm just giving you the answers. I have no time to back all these things up, but just hang with me. The dragon gave who gave his power and his throne and great authority. This is interesting. So this dragon, this Satan, Satan has all these kingdoms and he was willing to give it to the beast. Verse three, one of its heads seemed to have a mortal wound, but its mortal wound was healed and the whole earth marveled and they followed the beast. So one of these leaders that rises up, gets this mortal wound, dies, comes back to life. Everybody says, hey, that's pretty cool. He must be something special. Let's follow him. So that's what's going on here. That would be pretty hard to 
not saved, that's pretty powerful, right? That's a, that's a pretty big deal. This is going to confuse a lot of people. So just in case you think, okay, well, if this tribulation is true, I'll, I'll accept Christ in the tribulation. It's going to be really, really hard. It will cost you your life, your family's life. It's going to cost everything you've got. And I will tell you, you're going to see things, signs and wonders. I'm going to say some more here. And you'll be so confused. It's like if people are delusioned or disillusioned today, the stuff that's happening here is going to confuse. It's going to be really hard to come to faith in Christ. And yet I do believe a lot of Jews will come to faith in Christ in the tribulation because the 144,000, because of the two witnesses, and there will be many. That's what that tribulation time is for. It's for the Jewish people. Everybody thinks everything's about America. It's not. It's about Jew, the Israel. It's about God showing the Jewish people, his chosen people, that Yeshua is Messiah. That's what it's for. So anyway, um, one of its heads seemed to have a mortal wound, but the mortal was healed. Verse four, and they worshiped the dragon, Satan, for he had given his authority to the beast, the Antichrist, and they worshiped the beast, the Antichrist, saying, who is like the beast? And who can fight against it? So this is a one world leader with world power. And the dragon, Satan, gave him that power and authority. Okay? So there is going to be a world lead. There's going to be a global leader and a global government or global one world government. And it's going to be in this particular time. We will see, in my opinion, we're going to see, a, no, not my opinion. There's a lot of things we're seeing. We got a front row seat to right now. How this could happen. Lots of things. I don't have time to go through all those. Verse 5. And the beast was given a mouth uttering haughty and blasphemous words, and it was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. Remember this. Remember he, he okay, the first time we see the beast is in Revelation chapter 6, verse 1. He's riding a white horse. That is not Jesus. Jesus rides a white horse at the end of the tribulation. Satan, or Satan's man, the Antichrist, rides a white horse at the beginning of the tribulation. Two different horses, both colored white. Don't get them confused because they are a major difference. Here's what I want you to say. This is when I went to church with my, my daughter and son-in-law in Nashville. There was a guy, we went to a church, and this guy said, he was talking about how things are hidden. And he said, you know, the treasures that are hidden in the scripture, you don't see, you don't see all this stuff by just looking at the Bible. You don't see it. You have to dig a little bit. But he said, you don't have to dig that deep. I thought this was interesting. It's just, this stuff is there. If you read it and just read and you have to put some things together, you may have to have some a commentary to kind of help you, guide you through it. But you can read these things for yourself. And it's like, it's not hidden. It's not hidden so deep that you can't find it. I thought that was an interesting take. But it is hidden. You can't just look at the scripture and say, oh, yeah, I see. You know, no, you don't see that stuff. You see it once you open it up and you read it. And you go, okay, this could be that. And here's some people that have studied this for a long time. So anyway, I thought that was an interesting thing. So this idea of things that they're not completely known. I mean, not everybody knows that the rider of the white horse is Revelation 6 verse 1 is, is the Antichrist. But that's when he reveals himself. When he sets himself up to be God is halfway through the tribulation. 42 months is halfway through. And there's another 42 months. It's going to be just absolutely horrifically horrible, but he sets himself up to be God. They have a temple. There's no temple now. So that means there's got to be a temple built somewhere before this. 
And maybe, maybe during the first part of the tribulation, it's built, and they, they're, doing, they're doing sacrifices, and the Jews are ready to build this temple, and they're looking for a third temple. You go to Israel today, I guarantee you, you can take a trip. And we did, and said, here are the third temple-type artifacts that are ready to be going to the third temple. All the stuff about the, the red heifer, that's all third temple talk. They're talking about the third temple. They don't have one, but they're talking about it. There's going to be a third temple sometime. And they, this, this one that comes in and has this syrupy speech, and he's going to sound really wonderful, and he's going to, be, he's going to explain why all these people left on this, we call it the rapture, he's going to call it uh, wormholes, or he's going to call it uh, um, aliens. You laugh, but I mean, that's a lot of talk today. People are all into aliens. And this guy is going to come on his white horse and say, hey, just want you to know, we kind of needed those people to be out of the way anyway, because they were kind of a problem. And the aliens took them. They're going to be fine. I mean, I don't know. He's going to say something like that, and everybody's going to believe him. They're like, oh, yeah, aliens. Oh, I bet so. Oh, I saw E.T. Well, it could be. Could be. But he's going to do something along those lines to convince everybody that, hey, all's good. He's going to come on that soft. And after everybody's got him as the world power, world leader, Satan gives him all this power, he's going to say, now it's time for you to worship me. And it happens in the middle of the tribulation. It's prophesied in Daniel. It's prophesied in other parts of Scripture. Beast was given a mouth. He uttered haughty, blasphemous words, and he was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. That's the second half of the tribulation, I believe. It's, it opened its mouth and uttered blasphemies against God, blaspheming his name and his dwelling, that is, those who dwelled in heaven. Verse 7, also, it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. And the authority was given to it over every tribe and people and language and nation. And all who dwell on the earth will worship it, meaning the beast, everyone whose name was not written before the foundation of the world into the book of life of the lamb who was slain. So there are those that have their names written in the lamb's book of life. And when you profess your faith in Christ, it's almost like he totally inks it in. And that's what some are being baptized today saying, I just want you to let the world know that I have made my profession of faith in Christ. Jesus said, if you profess me before men, I'll profess you before my Father in heaven. That's what's going to happen here in just a, just a short amount of time. And it's a powerful statement. Um, verse 9, and if anyone has an ear, let him hear. In other words, take note of what's going on here. There's, there's things building. So there's not only are those like Klaus Schwab and others that are trying to lovingly usher in a one world order because... We need a one-world banking system so we can have one-world control of everything so that when another pandemic happens, we can better deal with it. When a financial crisis happens, we can better deal with it. Those are the, it sounds so good on the surface. Um, it's just historically we know man can't handle that kind of power. And that's what's, what's uh, disturbing about this whole scene. I'm going to skip to verse 30, I mean, verse 11. Then I saw another beast. So we have first beast. And out of the sea, then I saw another beast rising out of the earth. Different, different place. Why the earth? Very likely, it's uh, some, some place that people, at least they know of. Now the, it's, not from, it's not from the depths of hell, if you want to call it that. It's from a place that people are aware of. I saw another beast rising out of the earth. And it had two horns, like a lamb. But it spoke like a dragon. So this idea... That it's going to come out that the, the false prophet is going to sound so syrupy sweet 
He's going to explain things. This is what happened. This is why these people left. And this will make you understand this stuff. But it's almost like saying, um, it's like having the, the tone of, listen, everything is going to be okay and you're going to die too. So don't worry about it. That syrupy sweet sound on the surface that had a bitter bite to it. That's what he's talking about here. He had two horns like a lamb. He spoke like the, but he spoke like a dragon. It's exercise. This is why we call it the false prophet. He exercises all authority over the first beast. Now, you know, he, it exercises all the authority of the first beast in its presence and makes the earth and inhabitants worship the first beast whose mortal wound was healed. It performs great signs, even making fire come down from heaven of the earth in front of people. And so there's going to be, he'll be like going around the world and doing these, calling fire down. It would be pretty impressive. You think you're going to get around that kind of impressive display? It's like, wow, no, this guy, he's, he speaks great. He made me feel good. He brought fire down. I was right there in the, in the arena when he did it. See, that's what's going to happen. And, and by the signs that it is allowed to work in the presence of the beast, it deceives those who dwell in the earth, telling them to make an image for the beast that was wounded by the sword and yet lived. And it will be allowed to give breath. Here it is. It will be allowed to give breath, not life, but breath, a voice. It will be allowed to give a voice to the image of the beast, not the beast, but the image of the beast so that the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. Okay, so this is interesting because John Walford wrote his commentary on Revelations, I don't know, it was probably, probably in the 70s. When I was in the, 80, and I was in the 80s, I was at seminary and I read his, I just reread his commentary and what it said in this particular passage that it's very likely, now get this, this is Walvert, the guy, this guy's uh, Mark Hitchcock's uh, professor, my, you know, my professor. It's just that Hitchcock took way better notes than I did. But anyway, um, but, but Walvert was saying back then, he said this could be some kind of robot. Because he said he didn't give life to the beast, he gave breath to, or gave a voice to the beast. Now, for those of you that have been following any AI stuff, artificial intelligence, you know that there's stuff coming down the pike, and that's what these guys are warning about. And that's why Elon Musk to pump the brakes and say, guys, this is getting a little too much. But there's some things that are coming down the pike, and there's images. There could be make an image that could speak and come alive. I mean, we saw this with when I was in Disneyland. We watched Abraham Lincoln come on this cinema. They call it some kind of a cinema thing, but you could actually see, okay, anima, animatonics representation. That was in Disney. And and 28-year-old uh, Abraham Lincoln comes out and gives this address. Remember, it was the, it was the, to the Young Men's Lyceum of Springfield in Illinois, and he basically said that no power, not even Napoleon and all the power of the whole world could come and, and take even a sip from the Ohio River. But the only way that we're going to fall is we're going to fall from within. That was what Abraham Lincoln said back in 18... Oh, that's a long time ago. 1835, I think. He was 28 years old. But anyway, we saw this in Disney. They showed this animation and somehow, and it looked like Abraham Lincoln was standing there and giving you this speech. Okay, if that's our technology we had then, 20 years ago, this AI thing is going to blow people's minds. I don't think we even have a clue yet what it can do. And people are, and if you don't worship the image of the beast, and we just heard a guy from the Global uh, World Economic Forum say that there are bracelets that could be, that we have right now that could be made, that could check your pulse and your, they can tell what kind of attitude you have toward this worship. 
this image of the beast. It's, we already have the technology for it. And so that kind of thing, that kind of specificity is crazy to me when you really drill down into this, that you have to worship even this image, and this image is going to have this kind of this voice, and it's going to have this intellect. That's very much what these AI guys warn us, are warning us about. Um, also, it'll cause both men's great and small, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand and on the forehead. Here's the mark of the beast. So that no one can buy or sell one world economy. They got to be able to control that somehow. They got to have the banking system somehow all wrapped up. He has with this mark and the name of the beast and the number of his name. This calls for wisdom. Let the one who understand calculate the number of the beast for the number of the man, it's a number of the man, its number is 666. So that's where we get all that. That's the mark of the beast. So we got the beast. We've got the false prophet, the second beast. We've got this uh, crazy thing happening, a crescendo, and he calls himself God from here on out, and really horrible stuff happens. So is there a one-world government? Man, they've tried this for a long time. Nimrod tried 2,000 years before the birth of Christ. The Satan and the beast and the false prophet are going to try, I, who knows when, very, possibly very soon. But we're seeing things line up in a way that I think we need to understand. Some of the things that are catalysts to this. Um, I think COVID, the two things that we hear as buzzwords and, uh, are COVID and climate change. COVID is one of those that said, man, you know, they had this whole idea uh, put together. Let me see if I can find this. Uh, they had this whole idea put together. Um, they had this whole idea put together a long time ago, this one world order. It's like, we got to have this because we're going to save humanity. It sounds so good, but it's, it bites very hard. But COVID was, okay, back in the late 2000s, uh, 2000, let's say five through something, eight, there was a financial crisis, and they were basically saying, we have to get a hold of this banking system. We've got to find a way to, to divert a crisis. We don't want ever this happen again. Well, guess what? The economy came back in line again, and things were stable, and so that crisis passed, and they didn't get this one-world order put together like they wanted, Klaus Schwab and all the crew. They even mentioned that in some of their writings. Um, so when COVID came along, it was perfect. It's like, oh my gosh, we need to have a one world government so we can say, everybody's got it. We can get masks to everybody. We can keep everybody safe. We can get everybody vaccines. We get all this stuff. It's like, we've got to have this one world system and, and we can see that we're, we're not there yet, but they tried really, really hard. And who knows if that's bad past us or there might be another one coming. And I think we're, a lot of us, are, our eyes are more awake and open to like, uh, I'm not sure I trust everything everybody's saying about stuff. And so you honestly, we don't know who to trust, quite frankly. Um, and so they, I wouldn't say it's a missed opportunity, but they talk about COVID as that was an opportunity. They had to seize the moment to get this globalism in place. Um, there'll be another crisis. They are aware of those crises. And there's going to be a time when ultimately we know there will be a one world government, right? We know that. I'm not trying to say we won't, but I will tell you this, that they've got a problem, and that problem is the Holy Spirit, the restrainer, and I believe the Holy Spirit's a part of that is the restrainer, and I think we're a part of that Holy Spirit of God in the presence today, and somehow you, Christ in you, is a bigger deal than you realize. I want you to see that. God is using the Spirit of God to restrain, and if the Spirit of God is in you, 
You are the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? If you're in Christ, you're the temple, the Spirit of God's living in you. So when you go about your business, about your day, and you're you're suppressing and trumping down, it's like, oh, that, that's, can we try it? Maybe let's try this idea, not that idea. That's what, that's what people do. That's what, how you work in and, and abide until he returns. Could there be suffering with that? Yes, there could be. So what are we supposed to do? I think this drives us to a stewardship. I'm going to give you three, three ideas here on the stewardship. The first one is to be a steward of your time. Listen, today is the day of salvation. Do not wait. I mean, we don't know. Don't wait. It's like, well, you know what? I'm going to wait until I see all this stuff. Once you see all this stuff, you will be so deceived and confused or have to die a, a most horrible death because you're not going to be able to buy or sell or trade and your family won't. It's, it's horrible what's going to happen here. This is not the day of This is the day of salvation, this age of grace. He says, whosoever wants to come, be a good steward of your time. Making, making sure you're doing what you need to do with your, with your time. Make sure you're doing the right things with your talent. God's given each one a gift, a spiritual gift. Are you using that gift? Have you buried that gift? Are you using that gift to glorify God? He gave you that gift to, to use. Don't bury it. A buried talent doesn't go, it didn't go over well with, that, with God. Use that gift and you can produce 20, 40, 60, 100 fold what God gives you. Those, that's the, the, the idea. Get involved in your church. Get involved with the things of God. Do the things that are building into people's lives. We just had a group go to, to, uh, on a missions trip to Utah. Be praying for them, by the way. But it's like, I, want, I pray that God would use them. Maybe lead a child to Christ in their VBS that they're having. Your treasure. Make sure you're being a good steward of your treasure. God talks a lot about our treasure. Is it, are we giving God the first fruits? Are we taking good, being a good, responsible person with the the, even the resources that God has given us. Be a good steward. But most of all, make sure you have your name written in the book of life. Make sure, and it makes sure you do, but then also don't sit there and say, well, uh, I have friends and family. Maybe, maybe they'll get it here. If they're not going to get it here, it's just going to be really, really difficult to understand that Jesus is Messiah here your friends, your family, they know. It's like, just, I don't know, figure out a way to say, hey, I got something really important I want to talk to you about. If you're here today and you don't know if your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life, you don't know if you've surrendered your life to Christ, I got something really important I want to talk to you about. I want you to follow my voice if you've never prayed this prayer. This is the good news. Jesus has done all the work. He paid your penalty on the cross. He took your sin on himself on the cross and he gave you his righteousness and he gave you an ability. He said, and I will write their names in the Lamb's book of life. The only thing you and I do, I mean, it's not even a do, it's just simply receive. Do all receive him. To those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Surrendering your life to Jesus Christ, saying, Lord, I see that I'm a sinner and I'm surrendering my heart to you. Uh, that's this great salvation. And if you've not made that profession, I'm gonna ask you, I'm gonna give you an opportunity. Follow my voice. Pray with me right now. Surrender your heart to Jesus. I, I can't do it for you. You gotta do it. I can give you the words. Only you and God know whether that's a real deal. God doesn't need a bracelet to know what's in your heart. He knows.
He knows if you're serious. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, I do thank you for this, uh, this blessed hope that we have in Christ. I thank you for the church this, that you've given, a way to have the freedom to speak about these things. There's no other place we can talk freely about the things that you wrote down a long time ago that are so current to our day. But Lord, from the very beginning, from the time of Adam, you've had this redemption in mind, this great salvation. And Lord, I pray for that person that just walked in here today that says, I'm not 100% sure I got this. And I wanna, I wanna nail this down today. Lord, I can't, I can give them words. I can't change their heart, but you can. But here are the words. You pray this, something like this. Lord, I confess I'm a sinner. I get it. I'm sorry for my sin, but I get it. I'm a sinner. You tell him. And I do believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe he took my sin and somehow gave me his righteousness. And I, I just acknowledge that I, I believe that, Lord. You tell him. And you said in your word, to all who receive, and so Lord, I want to receive this gift of salvation. This gift that you so, you've so freely gave to each one who will just simply believe. Lord, that's me today. I, I, I believe. I want, I want my name written in your book. I want to be called one of your kids. Lord, if there's someone that made that profession of faith, I pray that you step out of heaven and they sense you stepping into their hearts. And they sense that they did something. They touched this great salvation in a very powerful way. Lord, we thank you for this grace. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us in this week's Sermon Cast podcast. Remember to subscribe to this channel so you don't miss any of our content like our regular Cheyenne Hills podcast where Pastor Galen Huck and the learned Nathan Winters discuss modern issues facing Christians today. Check out our church's website at CheyenneHills.org, download our app, and most importantly, be strong and very courageous. God bless you.